Well, if you would, take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 10 this morning. Mark 10. As you're making your way there, just a couple quick little pieces of information to share. If you've got a bulletin, you can make a note of this. If not, you can find it on my WHBC. But these classes that are starting up here uh, next week are Pastor Cedric in the FLC. That's the Just Sunday School title. The Crossway class is with Steve Gerber and Jeff Osberg. And then Growing Deeper is with Steve Durfler. And then Elevate, as you know, is our student ministry. Just so you know who teaches those. And you can see their locations there in your bulletin. But we are in week four of our, our Disciplines series. We've been looking at the disciplines of Jesus and how we can observe and imitate those things, those same things that he did in our own lives. This idea, it connects with our theme for 2020, which is reflect, which is observe his example and imitate his heart. That's the goal and that's the purpose of this series that we've been studying. And I really hope that you've been challenged. I hope that you've been encouraged by these examples from our Savior, these, these disciplines that he modeled so well for us. I know that God has brought so many things to my attention that I need to work on, and maybe you find yourself there as well. But in part one, we covered the, the issue of silence and solitude, that, that Jesus made solitude or time alone a discipline in the rhythm of his life, and solitude promotes spiritual health. We were encouraged, I encouraged you and encouraged myself as well to find a time and a place to be in silence like Jesus did. It's a good practice to silence all of the voices and all of the noise and all the chaos that's in our lives. It's it's a really good thing. And then in week two, we talked about prayer, that prayer produces heavenly connection. We asked everyone to make prayer another part of your daily disciplines, Jesus prayed. And like him, we need this open communication with our Father who is in heaven. And then last week, we talked about spiritual growth, that spiritual growth brings wisdom and it brings maturity. Jesus made growth, his growth spiritually, a priority in his life. So did you make any changes over the last three weeks as we've been studying these disciplines of Jesus? Were you able to set aside some time this past week to consistently be in God's word, reading and studying and learning? All of these disciplines are extremely vital in a believer's daily rhythms. And so I know we all struggle in our own unique ways with all of these things. So don't beat yourself up. Just learn and grow and get better. I think that's, encur- that's, that's, that's the encouraging part is there's not this level of perfection that we have to reach in order to, to arrive or get there. It's a process. It's uh, the idea of being a disciple is being a student and being a follower of Jesus. We never get there. We just keep growing and we keep trying to get there. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And so today we're going to look at another discipline of our Savior. One of the core reasons why he came to this earth, and that's to serve. Jesus was a servant. So if you're there in Matthew, not in Matthew, but in Mark chapter 10, we're going to begin reading together here in verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. I mean, I just got to pause sometimes there. I mean, come on, guys. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? 
Well, that's the answer we all would want, right? But, and they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And these idiots said, and they said to him, sorry, that's not in there. It's not in the Bible. That's the ZSV version. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful this morning for your word. God, we are thankful that you have given it to us, and we're thankful for the example of Jesus this morning, that we can read this inspired word and we can apply it to our lives but not just apply it to our lives but we can we can hear and we can see your heart on these pages so god as we study this text as we study your example this morning help us to observe the heart behind why you did what you did and we're so thankful for it help us to live in it and it's in jesus name we pray amen well service It's one of those words that's often loaded with baggage. I mean, it usually comes with a message of guilt, right? I mean, you're not doing enough, so you need to serve over here in this area. Or if there's a need and you won't fill this need, then you must not be truly following Jesus in your life. Or maybe you're lazy, or maybe you're just not too motivated to do the things that that God would want you to do. Or maybe you, you feel bad, so you serve in an area that you know you're not a real good fit for. Maybe you're unsure of what your gifts are or what God would want to do through you. Maybe you're not sure if your service outside the church counts for kingdom work. But one thing is certain, service is a part of God's plan for every Christian. Look back at verse 42 with me. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. That word servant It means, it's got a really long definition, but it means to be a servant, to serve, wait upon, to minister to one, wait tables, distribute the things necessary to sustain life, to take care of the poor and sick, to attend to anything that may serve another's interests. The discipline of service was a huge part of our Savior's mission. Therefore, he made it a huge part of his daily rhythms as well. 
One thing is, is clear, is serving is a reflection of Christ and his heart for people. If you would, turn over to John 13. You don't have to hold your place in Mark. We're not going to come back. But John chapter 13, just a few pages over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 13. We're going to read a very common story that most of us are familiar with. But it gives us a wonderful example of what it looks like and what it means to serve like Jesus. So in John chapter 13, we'll begin reading together in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his, his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him in verse nine, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus served with humility. There is this powerful moment here in this text that we just read where, where Jesus is spending time and, and he's connecting with his disciples. They're, they're, they're eating a meal together. They're, they're having fellowship, as we would call it in our, in our Baptist culture. And then out of the blue, Jesus just gets up. He, he ties on an apron and he gets down on his knees and he begins washing their feet. And for a second, this was a mind-blowing experience for these disciples. Like, wait a minute. This is not how it's supposed to, to be. Jesus, why would you be doing such a thing? This was their teacher. This would have made sense if we were sitting around the table with the disciples. Peter already said that he believed Jesus was the Messiah, which is a very significant thing. Messiahs do not wash dusty feet that had been walking on dirty roads and through unspeakable things. That was the work of a servant. But look back at verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter was pretty bold right there. He even went so far as to rebuke Jesus for humbling himself by performing such a lowly task. Peter knew how nasty of a job this really was. He knew all about the chamber pots, and if you don't know what that is, Google it, that got dumped from windows into the city streets where they spent their days walking. This wasn't like washing our feet today. If I took my shoes off right now, my feet never smell, but if I took my shoes off right now, which is true, isn't it, Brittany? They never stink. I don't know, it's a phenomenon. But if I took my shoes off right now, they would not, they wouldn't be as fresh as a daisy. But they were clean when I put my shoes on. And Peter was right. Jesus, he, he truly was above washing feet. He was God in the flesh. We've talked about that several times over the last few weeks. Like, why would God in the flesh do such things? He could have sat on a throne. He could have ruled over all of the disciples and all of mankind. But that was exactly what Jesus meant when he said that he came to serve and not be served. Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet, and I'm also going to teach you a lesson in this process of what it means to truly be a servant. This is his example for us. Now, I may be above this, Jesus says, but I came to seek, I came to to save, and I came to serve. That is who I am, and that's a beautiful thing, because we all stand here today recipients of his service, of his great service for us. So could this be said about you? And could this be said about me? Am I a servant? Peter would write later in 1 Peter 5 that we need to have humility toward one another and clothe ourselves with humility. And that phrase, clothe yourselves, as, it, as we studied in, 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 in Colossians 3, it means to put something on like you do when you get dressed in the morning or in the afternoon if you're currently homeschooling your children. I'm glad you got that. A mom got it. So put on service through humility. What Peter is saying here to you and to me and to us this morning is that in regards to our relationships with one another, our posture and our position toward one another should be that of a servant. You see, humility as we serve reminds us that we are not above anyone else. Humility as we serve, it helps us think rightly about ourselves under who God is so we remember who we are and who he is and we remember where 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 we're placed here in the pecking order. And we find out that we're not above God and we're not above anyone else, no matter who we are or what our position is. And if Jesus Christ could sacrifice and he could serve the way that he did, so can we, and so can you, and so can I. You see, humility helps us see the greatness and the majesty of God, and then we can respond in appropriate ways. Like the other disciplines that we've studied, service with humility puts our hearts in the right position to serve. John 13, Jesus tells the disciples to love one another as he has loved them. 
You see, that example of humility from Jesus was a really, really big thing because people like Jesus, teachers, guys who would teach the word, who would teach, they, they, didn't, they didn't serve people. People served them. They were high and lifted up in their, in their systems, in their religious systems. And so Jesus is, is kind of flipping this system completely on its head. You see, it's impossible to do what Jesus did when humility is not leading the way. You see, humility serves, and that is who Jesus was. He says in verse 15 here in John 13, for I have given you an example. You should underline the word example. For I have given you an example that you also should do, maybe underline do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's a tall order, but it brings with it great blessing. It's a mirrored image of the Savior. Jesus was about the will of his Father, and that's what his service to mankind was all about. Jesus says in John chapter 4, my purpose is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Serving others was the work that he was sent here to do. And he didn't just come and wash the disciples' feet. He served our greatest need. He served the greatest needs of the disciples by giving his life for them and for us on the cross. His dying breath has brought me life. And I know that it is finished. That's the greatest act of service that this world has ever seen or experienced. The greatest rescue that we could ever know. You see, serving reflects Christ. Now that's the opposite of what we saw when we read Mark chapter 10 together a few minutes ago. A few of the disciples there in Mark chapter 10 are, they're trying to be in the spotlight. They're asking questions like, hey, how can we be above others? Or how can we be in charge? Or how can we make sure we're the ones that are being served? And for good reasons. The other disciples are frustrated with James and John in that text. What's up with them taking this opportunity to try and get Jesus alone and get this cushy deal uh, for the new kingdom? And we have to remember, if we know the the story, that they thought that this new kingdom was, was going to be very soon. They thought Jesus was setting up camp and they were going to take over the world. They thought that Jesus was going to lead a revolution and that they were going to set up this earthly kingdom with them leading the charge right alongside Jesus. And that self-preservation mindset was the complete opposite of who Jesus was and who he is and what he was here to do. You see, one key element that is, I think is necessary to observe as we see this example of Jesus is that Jesus was available. All throughout the New Testament, we, we see a clear availability on the Savior's part, an expectation, a willingness, and enough free space on his eye calendar to serve. When we look at the lifestyle of Jesus, he never seemed to be in a hurry. Have you ever noticed that? I'm not talking about the cheesy Jesus movies where he's like floating around, 
you know, in town and like just never in a hurry. I mean, like he just, he just never seemed to kind of be in that position of I'm always in a hurry to get somewhere else. He was available to serve people with compassion. Yes, he was intentional to take time away for silence and solitude and prayer and and to grow spiritually and emotionally. He even rejected some opportunities to serve in order to take care of himself. We have to remember that he, he did leave the crowds. He sent the crowds away. He often escaped from the crowds. But he made this act of service a priority in his life. And after these times of prayer and solitude, he made this process of room to serve a priority on his calendar. And all of us have to take a look at our own lives, at our own schedules, and we have to assess what we're spending our time on. It's important to rest and to take care of ourselves, but is the majority of our time spent on ourselves or maybe even on our own families? You see, we're walking into a season that is the best time ever to serve, whether in the church or even in the community. But this holiday season that we're finding ourselves uh, walking into is the easiest time to serve others and to share the gospel. So determine to let your family see the impact that you can have by serving other people. Ask God to give you wisdom on how to manage your time and to lead you to the best ways that you can serve as a family. But one thing is certain, serving like Jesus will require sacrifice. If we want to serve like Jesus, it will require sacrifice. It will take some effort. It's definitely going to cost you some time, and it might even cost you some of that stuff that we don't like to talk about, money. But as Christ followers, we serve the King of Kings, and his work is the best work. In 1 John 3, it says, Let us not love in word or talk only, but in deed and in truth. In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Here's what, we, here's what I want you to remember today. It's simple. is serving reflects Christ. And so the question is, are you serving? What are you doing to promote kingdom efforts and are you serving others and and truly only you can answer those questions i mean we can visibly see where some of you are serving we can visibly see what some of you are doing but truly only you know if you are serving like christ and this doesn't always have to be in the building This doesn't always have to happen inside the walls of west hill baptist church at 2241 mechanicsburg road You'll never hear that from me, that this is the only place that you can serve. And if you're, and if you're not serving exclusively here, then you're not doing what God would want you to do. You're never going to hear that from me. Your work, taking care of your, your aging parent, is just as much as an important thing as serving in here on a Sunday morning. Your work is important, as long as it's for the king, as long as it's for the Savior.
your diligent and your committed prayer efforts for the missionaries are just as important as the work of the missionary. We can't separate the two things. Your giving to missions is, is not less than the missionaries' work on the mission fields. When you give of your tithes and your offerings, you're, you're, that is just as important as the small group leaders' work in Elevate. It all works together. The purpose is the same. Is they all mirror and model what Jesus did and who Jesus was. They all have a purpose and they all fit together. And it takes all of us. We're not all called to be pastors or missionaries. And that's not even what God wants. But we should be evaluating our lives and we should be asking ourselves where God would want to use us. And we should be asking God to lead us in what areas that we need to be serving. And if you're too busy to serve, then you're just too busy. That's just the plain, simple truth. But not all service looks the same. And just because there's a need in our church does not mean that you're required to fill that need either. Often there are people who are willing to serve, but we encourage them not to serve in a a respective area because they're already serving in dozens of other areas. There are more than enough people to fill every need inside of our church. And so there's no reason for any of us to be burned out or for any damage to be done to your family because you're doing too much. That's not the norm. But studies tell us that it's much more often that people won't serve because their schedules are too full. Author Warren Bird's research says that 20% of the church is actively serving in some area, while the other 80% are non-participatory. It's similar to giving in the church, that 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Now that sounds discouraging, but I'm, I'm happy to actually say that's, that's not really the case here at our church, which is really cool and encouraging. But we can all participate in some way. There are so many different areas to serve and so many of us to go around. We can all do our part and we should all do our part, whether young or whether you're a little bit older. You can still serve. 1 Peter 4 says that each one has received a gift And we are to use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has given us all gifts. He's called all of us to serve. And we do it all for his honor and for his glory. That's what it's for. It's not for any accolades here and now. But that day is coming for us. So we serve because we reflect Christ. As many of you know, Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And we are never more like Christ than when we serve because serving reflects Jesus. It always has, it always will. Extremely simple, but important. And so are you serving? Are you actively involved in doing eternal work that has kingdom value? And if you are, keep it up. And if you're not, where does God wanna use you? And that's the challenge today because serving reflects Christ.
If you would, bow your head and close your eyes as the musicians make their way to the platform. Are you serving, Christian? And we want to encourage you to think through that and pray about that and see where God would want to use you in his kingdom service in our community and in our church and in our worlds. And then maybe you're here this morning and you've never heard that the greatest act of service that has ever been displayed on this planet was when Jesus Christ came and he gave his life as a ransom for many. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never had a moment, that you've never had that time and that place where you gave your life to Jesus Christ, where you called on Jesus to save you from your sins. And the Bible's clear that sin is a part of our world. The sin is a part of you. And sin is that rebellion against God and his, and his perfect plan and his perfect commandments. And that every single one of us are sinners. And our sin has separated us from God. And if you're here this morning and you've never heard that, you are separated from God. And you can never be a good person, you can never be good enough to pay for your own sin. Sins cannot be removed by doing good deeds or by giving money to the church or by even serving. You can't do enough good things to get to heaven. The Bible says that paying the price for sin, Christ came and he lived the life that you couldn't live. And he paid for your sin. He paid for your sin on the cross of Calvary. And he rose from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And he says that everyone who calls on my name can be saved and have eternal life. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never called on the name of Jesus to save you. Today can be that day. Because when you call on Jesus to save you and you, you mean it, he takes up residence in your life. And he enables you and equips you to do the things that we've been talking about doing. And he promises you home and heaven for eternity. And so maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. You can call on him to save you right where you are. You can find me at the end of the service and I'd love to talk to you more. But one thing is certain. Jesus set the greatest example for all of us. And he's the one we follow. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful this morning for the example of Jesus Christ. We are so undeserving of the love that we've been given, of the grace that we've been shown, the mercy that we've been shown. So God, I pray that you would move in the hearts of your people, that we would serve and that we would live to reflect you in our lives. And God, if there's anyone in this room today that is not yet your child, you already know who they are. God, I pray that your spirit would begin working in their hearts. That they would be saved today or that they would, they would be prompted to come ask questions and to find out what it means to have a relationship with you. And we're thankful that you've given us what we need to follow you and to serve you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.